Welcome in, everybody, to the Pro Football Show, the Friday edition, the Friday, March 27th edition, to be exact. I'm Chris Landry. Uh, and again, the Pro Football Show, part of Landry Football's conference call, where you can listen to not only this Pro Football Show five days a week, Monday through Friday, but our college show, our sister show, uh, that we talk about college football on a national level every day and recap the week that was in a conference with a different conference each day. So you want to check that out. If you're not getting that on your phone, sign up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you sign up for your podcast, and you will get it to you. You can also check out it, uh, it out on uh, LandryFootball.com where you're also going to get much more detailed information than we're able to give to you here, time permitting. Uh, it's where you get the film room analysis, detailed inside information in our notebooks, free agent boards, free agent scouting reports. Now, our draft boards are up on LandryFootball.com, finishing up the last couple of positions and going to be putting up the horizontal draft board this weekend. So you'll want to check that out. It's unlike any draft board you're going to see. You're going to understand it at a whole different level and know what a true NFL board looks like not some of this amateurish stuff that you can get across the Internet. Get it from somebody that's run drafts successfully for years and years, not an outsider that just is a talking head or sitting behind a keyboard. So you'll want to check out LandryFootball.com. Get the scouting season offer. It's the best offer we have. If you want to try it out for a month, three months, you can do that as well. But the best offer, giving you a uh, over a 50% discount, less than $5 a month, that'll get you a full calendar year. Seven days a week, 12 months a year football. From recruiting to college football to the draft, NFL, we got it all covered for you right here. A reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the great folks at 401k Generation. Eddie Rojas and his crew are the experts on money management, investment inquiries, Perhaps you've got a business and you wish to set up a 401k for your employees. How to do that? They can answer that. Let's say you left the job and let's say you had a 401k and you you maybe have an interest in seeing about whether it's right to roll it over to an IRA. They can answer that and help you do that if that's what's best for you. If you got any questions on money management, investment inquiries, or just want to speak with someone to see if you're on track to your financial goals, Eddie Rojas and his team at 401k Generation is who you need to reach out to today. How do you do that? You can give them a call or a text at 1-866-998-5879. They're licensed in all 50 states, so they can help you wherever you're, whatever state you happen to be listening to this podcast in. 1-866-998-5879. Eight seven nine. Um, maybe you got somebody you're working with. Maybe you you don't. Um, get a first opinion. Get a second opinion. It's the best way to develop a comfort level that you're doing the right thing. And hey, if you've got a business or something you'd like us to promote and help you brand, we can absolutely do that. Go to LandryFootball.com, hit Contact Chris, send me a line, and we will get in touch with you. That's also where you can go to send a question that you want us to address on air. And Kevin has a few detailed ones that we're going to get to in just a little bit. All right, 
Let's get into the latest around the NFL today. Friday, uh, as we head into the day and head into the weekend on Thursday, late Thursday, the league's management council, executive committee, uh, ownership group, has unanimously decided that the draft will go forward as planned April 23rd to 25th. So um, the general managers, again, we've talked about this for a couple of days, have been eager to try to postpone the draft because their inability to host and interview prospects in person and get all the physicals in. And it's a fair question, but the league is – one month to figure out a way to kind of keep this together and how you're going to deal with meetings and whatnot. But they want to continue with the schedule uh, behind the scenes. They feel like there's no reason to delay it because it does not look like the virus epidemic is going to get better. And the situation of being able to visit with these players uh, are not going to get any better. While the draft is going to go on as planned and free agency is going on as planned, it looks bleak that we're going to get many camps and OTAs in. Right now, the league is hopeful that there's enough progress to where we can have training camp. That's the hope at this point. It's not based on anything. It's just hope. Uh, we shall see. We certainly hope that things get better for a lot of reasons, um, so that people can get on with their lives, that the financial, you know, tide can turn in a positive direction and certainly figure out a way to slow this down to get people's health back on track. It's been a rough – look, it hasn't been really long when you think about it. We've been hearing about it and reading about it and seeing it, but, man, it has been – Seemingly like in a two-week period, just incredible, incredible turn of events that has kind of turned this world on its head. Um, part of what's happening in free agency is that none of these contracts are officially done until the physicals are completed and the contract is completed. And um, we had a situation where the Jaguars have basically backed out of their deal of signing Darquise Denard from the Bengals. Uh, he's gone in the open market. So um, there are a few agreements every year, um, but this is, this is a unique situation where we might have more than one of these. You've got a Michael Brocker situation in Baltimore. They are aware now of an ankle injury. He may not pass the physical. So that could be another one that falls by the wayside. This does not appear to be a physical situation, but um, contract's not done. So keep that in mind. Well, most of these deals, when they're announced or reported on, do come to pass. There's some... That do not, and this is definitely one of those cases. Um, some good news, and Drew Brees and his wife Brittany are committing $5 million to the state of Louisiana um, to help in this very difficult time um, where exactly the money is going to go. It seems like Second Harvest Food Bank, Oshner Health Systems, um, some of the restaurants, 
waiter, Jimmy Johns, and people like that to prepare and deliver meals to people throughout Louisiana as long as it takes to feed children, seniors, families. What a great thing to do. People take it for granted. Oh, they make a lot of money that can do that. You're correct. But that's a lot of money, even for him and his wife to commit. That the, And he's made a lot of money. I get it. But he's doing that. He didn't have to. He didn't have to put as money, and he's doing it. Much money, and he's doing it. So very, very impressed by what Drew Brees is doing there. So congrats to him, and we like to bring out some of the good stories. We're going to talk a little bit um, about some draft prospects. Talk about Chase Young, Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, three defensive linemen. A little bit later in the podcast, we'll get to some draft information. But a reminder, if you haven't checked out LandryFootball.com, the draft boards are up. Just got the, the secondary to put up and the specialist to put up. And then the horizontal draft board, which is the best players regardless of position, best players overall. That's why we call it the horizontal board. Boards go down vertically by position, and then horizontally is how one player compares to the other. That's all coming up this weekend. So you want to check that out. To come with that in the ensuing days, weeks leading up to the draft as scouting reports on a number of those guys. It's a unique look because it's a true draft board. You know, one of the pet peeves I get is when you have people, and all these people do is just kind of copy other people's names and put their little spin on it. Here's my top 10. Here's my top 30. Here's my top 50. Here's my top 100. Whatever. doesn't mean anything. It doesn't tell you how you graded the player. Where does he fit? Is he immediate starter, potential starter? You've got to clarify it, classify it, and how are you evaluating? What are the critical factors? We provide that for you. We tell you the critical factors at each position. What are the metrics we're looking for at each position? What the grading scale means? What the numbers mean? What the colors mean? And you're going to be able to see on the vertical boards, which are the position boards, and the horizontal board, which is the best players overall, you're going to see where the separation is. How many first-round grades do we have? How many second-round grades? Where there's value? You want to know why certain teams move up, certain teams move back? Because you're trying to see. You visually set up your board. So that you see where the value is. And you try to maximize getting as many of those players. So your board gets picked clean in a certain spot. You want to move back. You've got a player that's high on your board that's slipping. You move up to get them. You don't focus on need. You focus on getting the best player as you set up your board. And if you can fill some needs in free agency... and get best players and impact players, you're going to have a better draft. So we're going to want you to understand what we got going on at LandryFootball.com and, again, take advantage 
you know, the 50% discount with the scouting season offer, the best deal we got going. And we're going to get into, um, you know, on there you will see kind of where these players stack up. Um, free agent news, the Vikings have agreed to re-sign Brent Jones, an interior offensive lineman, until one year, uh, $910,000 deal. Um, Minnesota acquired Jones from the Giants in 18, and he started 13 games for New York the previous season. He's almost been exclusively a reserve. That's what he'll continue to be. Um, it's a good move for uh, for them in terms of a versatile swing guy on the interior. Bruce Arians was asked about any interest in Antonio Brown, and he made it very clear. No room for him, probably not enough money, not going to happen here, not going to fit here, and was even followed up with, what if the money's right? Don't think so, not a fit here. So he put that to bed as clear as it could be. The Bills agreed to term with offensive lineman Darrell Williams, formerly of the Panthers, one-year contract. Uh, it's another ex-Panther for Sean McDermott, Brandon Mean. Started 12 games in Carolina last year, but he was a liability. Primarily played at guard after uh, years at tackle. Though he did spend some time on the blind side, he's going to be a versatile depth guy for the Bills who've gotten themselves better. Perhaps some might say favorites in the East right now, early, but who knows, debatable. Cardinals re-signed Marcus Gilbert, an offensive tackle, to a one-year $3.7 million contract. The ex-dealer was uh, with the Cardinals in 19, but missed the entire season with a torn ACL. Eight, the, eight, the 2018 season in Pittsburgh was plagued by injuries and suspension. He was turned 32 last month. Um, the Cardinals one of the weakest tackle positions, so he's going to be a swing option for him. But Colts signed Xavier Rhodes, formerly of the Vikings, to a one-year deal. Um, he's steadily in decline. He's battled his way through a bunch of minor injuries, was released by the Vikings um, on the eve of free agency, turns 30 in June. Low risk signing for the Colts. The Giants signed Austin Johnson, formerly of the Titans. Sporadic starter for the Titans. Typically played in the 375-400 snap range. He's a pure run stuffer. Fifth-year pro, role player for them. You know, the Cardinals, uh, back to them for a second, they – Remember, put the transition tag on uh, Kenyon Drake. But they've gone ahead and signed him to a one-year $8.483 million contract, no longer eligible to sign an offer sheet with another team. Was believed to be gunning for as much as $10 million a year on a multi-year deal. But for one season, is a good outcome. He gets good money for a year, and he gets to get another bite at the apple in another year. So with David Johnson unloading to the Texans, in exchange for DeAndre Hopkins, um, Drake is the lead guy and the feature guy, the high-octane high running back, the three-down guy. So we'll see what else they'll do at the running back position, but makes an awful lot of sense. The Bills signed E.J. Gaines to a one-year contract. The X-Rams started 11 games for the Bills in 17. Played, playing time has fallen ever since. Made six appearances over the last two years. He tried uh, to make the Bills out of training camp last year, but he ended up on IR. He had a groin issue. Um, long shot to make the 53-man roster, but we'll see. 
low-risk signing again. The Colts signed Sheldon Day, formerly of the Niners, to a one-year contract. He'll reunite with DeForest Buckner. We told you that was headed towards happening yesterday. Um, the Lions signed Jeremy Davis, formerly of the Chargers. Uh, Davis has played 36 games for the Giants and the Cardinals since 15. Just nine career targets. Not expected to do anything but compete maybe for the fifth receiver position. Going to have to make it on special teams. The Browns restructured the contract of Chris Hubbard, their right tackle. Reworked the deal. Included a $1 million signing bonus, $2.15 million in base salary and max cash value of $5 million. Um, he plays at least 50% of the 90% of the snaps, rather. Um, Dak Conklin was was obviously signed for a lot more to start at right tackle, but a swing player, backup player. As we mentioned, the Cowboys and the Dak Prescott have reengaged on a long-term deal. You get the feeling that the Cowboys are swimming upstream here. I mean, Dak's got all the leverage. They put it in his his lap. He's going to milk them. There's no question. The Cowboys' inability to get this done a long time ago is going to cost them a whole lot in this negotiation. The Browns also signed Evan Brown. Um, who appeared in four games for the Dolphins and the Giants in 19. Former undrafted free agent. Will likely be battling for a roster spot. So who's available? Jadavian Clowney. Asking for a lot. Still got good value. Maybe looking for the right, right spot. Jameis Winston, you want him as your backup? Is he a good fit at backup? Uh, Logan Ryan, still out there. Maybe the Cowboys, the Giants, Bears might be a spot. How about Jason Peters? Can he still play? I still think that maybe somebody like the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the Titans might be a spot for a guy like that. Certainly he's got a background with Andy Reid. Shelby Harris, he earned an opportunity to start in Denver last year. Played in all 16 games, 49 tackles, 6 sacks, 9 passes defended. Will he come back at a cheaper price with the Broncos, Cardinals, Colts? Those are some possibilities. How about Demarius Randall, former cornerback with the Packers, find a home in Cleveland as a safety? Where does he go from here? Um, Jets need some help in the secondary. The Vikings need some help. The Bucks. let's see there. Brashad Breeland, cost-efficient corner, looking for a bigger deal. Chiefs got Braylon for just $2 million last year as a 28-year-old corner. We'll see if they can get more money out of the Chiefs. Maybe the Vikings. Maybe the Cowboys. Marcus Golden finished with 10 sacks and 72 tackles, playing an outside backer in the 3-4 defense last year. Um, I think the whole waiting on the clowny deal is a big part of it. Inconsistency has been, been his issue. It's a boomer bust move. Uh, got to be careful on a long-term deal, but short-term deal makes some sense. Rams, Eocks, some need there. Darrell Williams coming off a trying season. One of the least reliable offensive linemen in the league. He allowed 12 sacks and 34 pressures last year. Uh, as removed from the starting lineup. 18 season was a rough one as well. Limited just one game due to knee injuries. Um, shown the versatility to play guard or tackle on either side of the line. Um, Panthers, Bucks, Bears. And um, Camilla Correa has been a solid contributor, versatile linebacker, 26 years old. I'll say maybe Ravens, Patriots. We had good Patriots move. Falcons, all um, guys like that, I think, uh, are interested. You know, Denver recently signed Melvin Gordon, and 
they're kind of making no bones about it, but, but behind the scenes that they think certainly the contract would indicate it. They think he's going to be their bell call back, and he's certainly a good one if he can stay healthy. But they're putting an awful lot in him. Now, they got Philip Lindsay, and we'll see how this plays out. But they, they get in with the idea that, look, they got Lindsay, they got Freeman, but they believe he's going to be the bell call guy and the main guy. So um, they think 70% of the snaps is what they're looking for from him, and they're looking for the productive guy that can kind of take this offense. Remember, they're going with Drew Locke. Going to need to be able to run the football and run it well. Some news around the ACC, the ACC, the uh, the NFC East. Checking into it, you know the Eagles were engaged in contract talks with the in the DeAndre Hopkins trade, but the Cardinals' offer of David Johnson, a second round pick, um, won out. Um, is a little bit different deal than than was offered by the Cardinals, so it never got as far. Um, they kind of bowed out of the Jalen Ramsey swing stakes. They also tell me, um, you know, it would have been a challenge if they got Hopkins. What were they going to do with Jeffrey and Deshaxons, the Deshaun Jackson's cap number? Um Um, the offensive line for the Cowboys probably going to go with Connor McGovern. Third-round signing and re-signed Joe Looney. They've obviously addressed and gone outside the organization for defensive line, interior defensive line help, and McCoy and Poe. I think they feel like they've got their homegrown guy. So we'll see. Uh, Leonard Williams, tag. Man, been the most interesting by the Giants. The uh, it's going to cost them at least sixteen million. Um, can run as much as seventeen point eight for defensive ends. So it's interesting to see how this works out for them. Good player, but they're paying him great money. Um, also, the deal for Nate Ebner is a one-year, two point million, two point oh million dollar deal for a. Um, for a really good special teams player. Um, the story circling back on the Niners and DeForest Buckner's, the, the, the whole issue there. Um, Buckner um, wanted a large deal that they kind of balked at in San Francisco. That led to the trade. Um, it was kind of a fork in the road moment, 11th hour negotiation that led to the decision. Um, so Buckner's agent and the Niners engaged in discussions at the Combine. Uh, it was kind of a last-dish effort, but it was going nowhere. And so when you make a move like that with a player of that ilk, it's because you're not willing to pay him. And this is what it gets to when you have some talent on the defensive line and you've got limitations on who you can play, you can't pay, who you can pay, you can't pay everyone. So that led to the deal, and that's the reason. No real surprise there, but that was the story behind the story. Let's take a look at some young guys that could be the next big boys as it relates to 
big time three, four years from now, big money guys. You've got, obviously, Chase Young. We'll get to in a second. But I want to talk about a couple of guys that I think are obviously outstanding talents that have a chance to be big-time players. The first one is Derek Brown out of Auburn, the big defensive tackle. Derek Brown, Auburn, 6045326, 9-inch hands, 34 and 28-inch arms, 80 and 78 wingspan, 51640, 283201718108 bench, 27 vertical, 90 broad jump, 479 short shuttle, 8223 cone. Number one player out of the state of Georgia in the 16 recruiting class. Received offers from Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, 21 other schools, five-star recruit. Everyone wanted him. Big-time physical specimen in, in, in high school. Violent player, doesn't take plays off, mammoth of a guy. Developed a strong relationship with Rodney Garner, defensive line coach at Auburn, one of the great recruiters in the South for years and years now. True freshman in 16, played 243 defensive snaps. Uh, could hold his own run defense grade of over 70% in limited opportunities. He fully emerged in the starting role in the subsequent year. He raised his overall grade to over 85% in 17 on 622 defensive snaps, become the, one of the more dominant interior forces in the SEC. In his final two seasons, he can. Continued to improve. Not only was he strong against the run, but Brown developed into a disruptive pass rusher that could use his size and strength to overpower opposing offensive linemen. He's recorded pass rushing grades of 85 or higher in each of the past two seasons. The fact that he missed just five tackles over his entire Auburn career is another testament to how strong he is and how good of a finisher he is. He will stop the run, push the pocket at the next level. That's really not debatable. It, it, so you you know what you've got, a big mammoth player. He's a bully on the field. Uh, he can win a number of different ways, but he just his throwback is just to go through guys. I I, I don't know that he's going to get much better. I mean, he is what he is, and he's not going to get much better there. I'm sure he'll. I know he'll improve technique wise, but there's not great burst or quickness to be one of the elite difference-making guys, but he's just going to be rock solid. He's going to be a key mix is what he is. Uh, I've not seen in the past few years in college football anybody better at stacking and walking back an offensive lineman. His hand placement is top-notch. Um, he's just plays with such heavy hands. Really surprising first-step quickness at his size. He's got a really good rip move. Um, he can play any alignment between the tackles, not simply a space eater. He can shed and finish, and he'll be able to do that at the next level. And when he gets on you, again, he doesn't miss. Five missed tackles in 139 attempts. Is he going to be a dominant pass rusher? No. He'll push the pocket. He'll make a difference. But he's going to get pressures. He's going to tie up guys. And he's got enough quickness that if you don't account for that, He'll slip into some sacks, but he's not a guy that's going to be a huge sacks guy. He's a built like more of a run-first guy. He's going to control you and push you and be a real big 
mammoth, space-eating, bull-rushing, run-dominant defensive tackle. He's a little slow to react to wide runs. He can get cut off a little too much, more comfortable working in a short area. Uh, motor is going to be an issue. Um, he gets worn down late in games. The consistency late in those situations uh, are a factor. He's lined up in the B-gap 402 times. Over the tackle, 142. A-gap, 77. Off the ball, 6. Outside the tackle, 24. Look, I mean, you know what you're getting with him. You're getting maybe a little bit of an of an upside of an Akeem Hicks type of player. That's pretty good in my mind. Um, I think the guy's really, really good, really solid, and I think worthy of a high consideration in a in a league where you've got to play well. I think he's he's the type of guy that can be a difference making for you, difference maker for you. Next up is Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw, South Carolina, 605-1324, 10-and-2-8-inch hands, 34-and-7-8-inch arms, 83-and-6-inch wingspan. Um, not a verified time, but an estimated time of five flat uh, is pretty much what he is. Um, maybe a little bit better than that. He's got a unique blend of size, length, explosiveness, production. Um, really, really good. Uh, he's... Not a lot of risk to him. Has a little bit of a medical issue that um, got to work through and see. Um, but other than that, there's no real, no real problem. What he has is a little tendonitis in the knee. It's flared up. It certainly flared up at the Senior Bowl. Um, that would be the only thing that would cause him to sly a little bit. Uh, uh, he missed spring ball due to hip injury, but no real lingering effects. Um, you know, it's interesting, interesting kid. Kid that grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, as I mentioned, uh, went to um, Jones Junior College. Um, received eight offers from Power 5 programs, including USC, South Carolina, Alabama. First committed to the Gamecocks early in the recruiting process. He later decommitted um, and then decided to go to the other USC. And... Decided to come back to South Carolina. Just thought it wasn't a good fit for him out in California. He dropped from 340 to an even 300 after enrolling at South Carolina to increase his chances of getting on the field. Took a step forward as a pass rusher following the 17 campaign after playing 378 total snaps. He got graded out at 65% pass rush grade in his first year after transferring from JUCO here in uh, 88, 90% pass rush grades in 18 and 19. He played north of 500 defensive snaps and an 85-plus overall grade in the past two years. Total two or more pressures in all but four games in 19. Um, among all, one of some of the best interior defensive linemen in college football with 250 more pass rush snaps, ranked second behind Jordan Elliott in pass rush or win rate. Really, really good. Again, unique blend of size, length, explosiveness, production. Um, he, he's got it all. Really, I think maybe even underrated and belongs in that same category. And you'll see where I have him on the draft board. But belongs in the category with some of the best. He he just is so unique in his skill set and his physical ability 
Um, you know, he's lined up in every different position, effectively been able to rush the passer. He's tall. He's 6'6". He's got length that can create a lot of issues for interior offensive linemen. His get-off is special for a guy his size. He's got terrific lateral agility. Uh, boy, he's going to be really good on stunts and twists. Violent and active hands. His arms constantly um, working and moving. Played out of position with over 200 snaps at nose tackle last year. Didn't embarrass himself by any means. Can get home via the bull rush almost at will. Sloppy with his hand placement can be corrected. Attacks with wide hands too often. Gets locked up by offensive linemen. Not the guy you want against double teams or moving inside to guards. Uh, top heavy. Gets off balance a little bit too easily at times. Um He's got to work better and fight better through teams and chips and doubles. Um, you know, not probably needs to become a little bit more refined in his moves and his get-off, a little bit more reactive at this point. Only a few pass rush moves need to add more there. Rushes a little high, exposes his pad, so leverage is a bit of an issue uh, at times. But, you know, he plays with good bend. He's just got to play with better technique and hand usage. Lined up 400 snaps in the B-gap, 201 in the A-gap, 8 off the ball, 11 over the tackle, and 5 outside the tackle. Um, just a really, really interesting player, no doubt about it. And uh, I think he's a better version of Stephon Tuitt coming out, and I think he's an early impact player uh, in this draft. And then finally, let's talk a little bit about Chase Young, the Ohio State defensive end, likely going number two, five-star recruit, out of high school, coming out of Maryland's DeMatha. The University of Maryland pushed hard to get him, but Urban Meyer got him. Defensive line coach Larry Johnson was able to work hard and get him on board. Um, pass rush production was unbelievable in 19. Over the course of his career, he's graded out in the 96th percentile in 19, and it's one of the best we've ever seen, uh, quite frankly. It's just been been great. The pressure, 75 total pressures as a true sophomore at Ohio State. It's a different breed of athlete. Natural, uh, more ability than the Bosa's. Not as good a technician at the same point. But really, really special. Um, when you look at him, 6047, 264, 10-inch hands, 33 and 68-inch arms, 8 and 58 wingspan, 45 Seven estimate, 40 time. Just a really special athlete. Hands, burst, power, length, flexibility, elite in all levels. The only game he didn't grade out exceptionally well was against Northwestern, and that's because he literally rolled their quarterback away from him on the majority of the plays in, after he registered a, sack, registered a sack on the first pass of the game. Um, ideal build from a height, weight, length perspective. Utilizes long arms versus both the run and the pass. Exceptional balance through contact. Even when he doesn't win clean initially, get to the quarterback, strong hands. Forklifts offensive tackles when he gets in, in their shoulder pads. Um, there isn't a way he can't win as a pass rusher. Speed, power, quickness, hands. Um, really a dominant player. Doesn't play as stout. When he's tied to the formation, you know, like in a five technique, better out wide. 
Hands can get a little wide against the run, expose his chest. Uh, they do a good job with him. They they scheme him, play him out there, and he does a good job. Um, that's you know how he's going to be used at the next level. An elite pass rusher, an elite force on third downs. He's um, built like Alden Smith coming out of Missouri with the same length but more explosive than Alden was coming out. This guy is just really – he is more athletic and more explosive than both the Bosa guys. And the Bosa guys, Bosa guys are wreaking havoc in the league. Um, can he develop and play with the same type of t- intensity in the motor? That's going to be the key. He's done it in college. The Bosa's so far are doing it in the NFL, particularly Nick. And Joey's had to deal with a little bit more injuries. But going to be interesting to see – how this plays out. But um, really elite players. So that's a look at those three players from inside the draft room. Going to finish the show with a question from Kevin. He says, in last year's draft, intriguing scenario that still leaves me perplexed. The Houston Texans were sitting pretty with the 23rd overall pick. They were on the cusp of acquiring Andre Dillard. However, the Eagles put off a last-second trade and to the Ravens and selected Dillard. Subsequently, the Texans took Titus Howard with their 23rd pick. Last year, I asked you about this, and you shared that the Texans weren't nearly as high on Howard as they were on Dillard. That's correct. It was a need pick. I would say a panic pick. They absolutely had to fix their offensive line. Dillard was their guy. The Eagles jumped ahead, got him, and so they went with the next best guy that could potentially be a left tackle, and left better players on the board, pure and simple. Kevin says he went back and looked at our uh, at my 2019 horizontal board and said I had Dillard at 17 and Howard at 50. Furthermore, Dillard was in the 6'5 range and Howard at the lower end of the 6'4 range, which indicates separation in first and second draft grade value. Keep in mind, Kevin, the big difference is the 6'5 range to the 6'4 range. Don't focus on... Lower end of 6-4. Anybody that's in the 6-4 is pretty much fair game. You got to stack them. You got to stack them. But you got a lot of guys in the 6-4 range. Don't put so much into, all right, look, got 12 guys. He's the 12th guy in the 6-4. He's in the, he's a 6-4 grade. That's what's important. So the big difference is you're taking a guy, the 23rd pick, that's a, second round value that's the biggest issue and you're right on with that you say i understand that every team's draft board is different but it's hard to find that there's that wise of a chasm between your draft board and th- well, there, well again there wasn't they took a need pick they didn't have them ranked that high they took a need pick there's not a difference in the draft board there was just a pure concerted effort that we're going to take a player based on need and we're going to we're going to ignore better players on the board. He wasn't the next best player on their board. They may have said that in the media or whatnot. It, it wasn't. So there's no mystery about what they did. You know, there's nothing perplexing about what they did. They just made – they reached and took a need pick. Just not a good move. Okay. Now – 
your question is, my understanding is that left tackle is considered a premium position if your quarterback is right-handed. Look, elite pass protectors are important, left tackle and right tackle. You better have two good ones. Yes, the left tackle is a little bit more important for a right-handed quarterback. But teams put their best pass rushers on the field at different spots. So you have to be really good at right tackle. Now, you tend, teams tend to be more right-handed in their run game. And if they use a tight end and have a good one, the tight end is usually on the right tackle side. So he's got help as opposed to the left tackle being alone. So you're right, but make sure that you know that everyone understands that you almost have to have two type left tackle type guys. So you say, assume that the Texans had Dillard in the 17th overall range. They had two second round picks, a third round pick, a fifth round pick, and, and a six round picks to work with this potential trade material. Also assume, yes, they did. Um, they got jumped by another team. They could have made the move and offered something to secure that pick. If that's where you're going with it, that's the guy that they really like. They probably could have done that and should have done that. That's where I think the lack of experience from a GM standpoint hurt them. You say also if, if assuming it was you managing their draft and you're sitting there with the 23rd pick and the guy you really want is 17 on your horizontal board and lower grady players like quarterbacks and a couple of other position players were taken out of sequence, taken a little bit ahead, uh, increasing your odds that your guy could possibly be available in the 23rd stock. Can you explain your, explain your thought process what would have been in real time? Look, I would have been trying to secure the pick. I'll give you an ex- a, the perfect example. This happened to us the year we drafted, uh, or year I drafted Javon Curse. We tried to move up. We were picking 16th. We tried to move up all morning because we didn't think he'd fall to us at 16. We thought um, he was going to be gone. So we, we we couldn't get a deal done, and he fell right in our lap. So got a little lucky. We could have lost him. You know, what you try to do, and here's the answer. The key is this. What does your board look like? So if you're there at 17, excuse me, you're sitting there with the 23rd pick, and you've got the seventeenth guy on your board. Well, is there anybody ranked higher than that on your board? How many players are in that six nine to six five category that are still left on your board? So my point is, if you've got enough players on your board with the requisite grades, I'm standing pat and I'm taking one of them, and I'm probably not moving up now. If I'm in a position like they were, that one of those guys was at a position of need, and again, I'm not going to elevate the player's grade like they did or reach for a guy down like Titus Howard that wasn't as good. I'm not going to – that's not how you elevate. But if you got the guy truly there higher and he's at a need position and you think you're close, you know, I might consider moving up to secure the guy. But I'm going to be prepared – to take somebody else on my board other than the offensive lineman because I'm not going to reach and take a lesser player because somebody jumped to me. Now, if I can't do a deal 
and I've got limited number of guys on my board, then, then I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive in trying to do a deal so that I can secure the guy that I want. So that's what's going through my mind. Uh, your board dictates to you what you're willing to pay, where you need to go to get one of these guys, and numbers tell you if you got you know you if you got six you got five or six guys still left in your six five grade, you're going to get one of those guys. So stay there and take one of those guys, not take a guy in a six four grade. So that's your answer. If you only got two of them left. And it's pick 17, and I'm at 23, and you got two guys left, and one of them is the guy that I wanted left. I'm trying to get up there, and I'm going to try to make that move. Um. So, look, it's 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 one less spot that they had to move down. You're going to have to offer a lot. So we'll see. Uh, that that's what you want to do. So that's my thought process. And that's a, a similar situation that we did. But, but we couldn't do the deal because no one wanted to trade with us. We offered a lot. We offered a third-round pick to move up one spot to make sure that we secured Javon Kirst because we did not know. We figured someone else would take them up. Pretty obvious that while we liked them a lot, we had them graded higher than most people. You also ask, sometimes doesn't a team have to make exceptions to trade tables for premium position if there is significant drop-off between two players at the same position? In terms of making draft errors, isn't it better to mildly be over-aggressive to grab a highly-rated player of a premium position than to pick a lower-graded player because of need? Well, of course. I think I just answered that, yes. I think I, I think that explains it. Your board's going to dictate to you. And, and, yes, the premium position – you want to make sure that you secure the guy. But you can't overgrade the guy because it's a premium position. You know, it's great to say that's a premium position. But if you falsely move him up because it's a premium position, all you do is got a guy at a premium position, but you got a lesser player. In other words, left tackle is more important than the guard. But if you've got a great guard... I mean, you take a great guard, you take a Quentin Nelson over a good tackle because there's a difference, and you got to recognize that. That's why I always preach, grade every player regardless of their position, regardless of your need. Then you factor in, look, they're graded similarly. Let's take the guy at the more premium position. Let's take the guy at our better position of need because they're graded equally. You can pick who you want at that spot because they're all graded equally. Or if the tiebreaker is, look, we've got less depth at position A later in the draft, so let's take that position now. We can always get a pretty good player, it looks like, in the second or third round, and your board's going to tell you that. Your numbers of players in those grade spots will tell you whether that's a good move or not. That's why it's so important to set the integrity of your draft board up. If you set your draft board up well, your draft board talks to you. And you just react to all the work that you've done all year long, and it becomes a pretty easy process on draft day. The problem that people have is guys overreact. Got to have this guy. Not prepared for a scenario. Not prepared if somebody takes your guy. 
You do that, you end up taking the next best guy at that your position of need. And guess what? What did they have to do? They went out and traded for Laramie Tunsil and gave up a lot because Titus Howard, I think, can be a pretty good player. But he's not what they thought. So could how much better would they have been to taking one of those better players? I don't care if he is at a position of need. Look at their defense. Had a great defense for a while. They're getting old. They could have used guys there. They need help in the secondary. I mean, they, there's look, there's no such thing as, man, this team is absolutely loaded here. I, sometimes fans think they are. You can never have enough defensive linemen. I don't care if you have four good pass rushers. Get a fifth one. You know, you don't have enough guys that can cover, and you don't have enough guys that can rush the passer, ever. You better have a good backup quarterback. You better have more than one or two good running backs. You better have four good receivers that can play. I mean, you better have depth. You better have quality. And even if you do have depth, what's going to happen? If you have a lot of quality at one position, you're not going to be able to pay them all. So player A is going to move on to free agency in a year. Player B is going to get injured. And your position that you said, oh, no, we're not going to take that. We're we're too strong. You're going to be wishing, man, I would have liked to have had that guy that we passed over that you're lining up and playing against. Take the best player. Field needs in free agency. Take the best player in the draft. But understand, the best player is not, like you said, Let's take, for example, if all the 6'9 and 6'5 players are off the board and all you're looking at is 6'4 Grady players, Kevin, you don't need to take. You could take the guy, if you got 12 players with with 6'4 Grades, you can take any one of those 12. You stack them for different reasons, but you're going to sit there and take, at that point, you then look at your need, you then look at the depth of that position in the draft, you look at other things there. But you can take any of those 12 players that are graded 6'4 because you've by definition graded them and set your draft board with integrity without any biases towards needs or anything like that. You by definition say they're all graded equally. So we can take any one of those 12. And which one you take, it's other factors that go into it. But then when you start to, I'm going to raise this guy to 6'5 because, man, that's where we need to grade him to take him. Well, then you're falsely grading a player, and the player's not as good. And that's exactly what happened with the Texans. And it happens every year, and it's going to happen this year. It's going to happen every year. You know why? Because it does. It just does. Hope that answers your question. Good thoughts and questions there, Kevin. Hey, folks, appreciate you joining us. Hope that you have a great weekend. Be safe out there. Protect yourself. Protect your family. And make sure that you flip it on over to the college football show every day. Why? We cover a lot of draft stuff on the college show. We break down a lot of players, and we do it kind of in region, whatever particular show, uh, what conference and region of the country we're talking about that day. Uh, We go into a lot of draft stuff. So you're missing a lot of draft content right now if you're not listening to the college football show and you're a pro football fan. So make sure that you do that. How do you do it? Same way you get this show. Sign up for Landry Football's conference call. That'll get you this show and the college show going directly to your phone. So make sure you get that. Make sure that you get LandryFootball.com. Get a membership there. 
very inexpensive. It'll get you the insights. It'll make you a better fan, understand the game better, understand draft strategy, understand the coaching, the X's and O's, from everything from recruiting to the draft to college evaluation of players, coaches, teams, schemes. Same with the NFL. Inside news in our notebook each and every day. We got it for you over at LandryFootball.com. So check it out. 50% discount. Less than $5 a month will get you access to a NFL-style scouting department. So check that out. Check out the fine folks at 401k Generation. Give them a call. Give them a text at one 866 998-5879. They'll take good care of you. They can answer any of your questions. They're licensed in all 50 states, so give them a call today. Appreciate you joining us. Make sure that you join us again on Monday for both the college show and the pro show. And check out LandryFootball.com all weekend for all the latest. Remember, as we're taping this show, there's usually some news that comes out between the time we tape it and the time the show airs. So make sure that you're combining listening to this podcast with a membership to LandryFootball.com. Appreciate you joining us. God bless. Godspeed. Good health. Talk to you next time, everybody. (laughs) 